started to hear about what the Lord's doing in, in Haiti, all over the place. Um, my name's Jake. I'm one of your elders. I get the privilege of speaking with you today. And I'm actually going to ask you, as I try to figure this out, um, to do something a little bit weird, which is that um, I'm going to talk a little bit intimately with you guys today. And so I'm, I'm actually going to ask you, if you're sitting towards the back, really do move forward. I promise that I won't get up here and spit on you. Uh, I won't, like, jump at you. But I really do want to ask you, if, if you guys are in the back, please do come down, right? One of the things about church is that church is family. And whether sometimes we like it or not, family's close. Uh, family sometimes gets in your business, right? Um, that's church, too. So just come on in, fill in, sit next to somebody that you might not know. Uh, do that. That's good for us to do. And so I want to encourage you to do that. Plus, it's going to make me uh, easier to see if you're like tracking or you're falling asleep, right? Which is good. So there we go. So, okay. So we're, uh, thank you uh, again for, for being willing to do that. So um, we're in the middle of a new series here. Hey, I wondered if you were here. Um, I don't know how to do this. There it is. All right. So we're in the middle of this new series here. Um, we're, we're really starting to see in the series what it means to be people who, um, who live as those who have boldness, people who approach their relationship with God with confidence. That's the name of the series that, that we're in. Kevin started us, he introduced us to the series last week, uh, sharing how we're called actually into a life of overflowing confidence. How what Jesus has done and what he accomplished on the cross when he called us from darkness into light, it actually fundamentally changed who we were. It, it changed us turning us from the kind of people who would be afraid or fearful of God into people who are friends of God. People um, who no longer look at God and see him as sort of an aloof judge, very distant, but instead get to see him as a loving father, someone who's very close. That this changes us. Christian confidence changes how we view God. It also changes how we view ourselves. It calls us out of insecurity and into a, a, a deep belief that because of what God has done for us, we can be confident in his love for us. It will call us um, not to think that we don't measure up, but instead that because of what he's done, we'll always be secure. We'll always be friends with him. And overflowing Christian confidence we heard last week also changes the way that we view others. It changes us, reminding us that, that we were set apart by God, not just to enjoy his presence for ourselves, so it's nice to be here and to worship together, right? Uh, but also it changes us so that we would be ambassadors going out on mission, being able to recognize that part of what we're called to do is to bring the light of God out into the darkness of the world, to call other people to experience the type of family that God has called us to. So just take a second now and, and turn around, if you would, and just have a look, right? Because you'll see a ton of empty seats. And it is my belief, my deep belief, that part of what God has called this church to do is to be a people who welcome those from our city who don't know God right here into this place. We meet them at home. We meet them as neighbors. We meet them wherever. We talk to people about Jesus, and they come, and they get to experience this community just like we do. That's part of what we're called into, part of the confidence. So this series is really going to be a time when we look at this, and we ask ourselves a question. And the question is, what would happen if we, just me, regular me, start to live as a person 
who, who knows that I am confident and secure in Christ? What would happen? And we're going to find out in this series that confidence will lead to freedom, it will lead to joy, it will lead to hope, it will call us into prayer, it will call us into service, we will begin to experience a life where, where we are shaped by God and the gospel to really give generously, to serve lovingly and, and worshipfully, and to be a, a gospel-centered community that takes care of each other and invites other people in. That's what we're going to be learning about in this series. So this sounds pretty good. I, I like that. I want to be part of a community that's like that, right? So let me pray, and, uh, and then we'll start talking about today's subject about freedom. Holy Spirit, you, um, you're here. You live in us, and you work among us. You inspired scripture. And as we read your word today, would you bring it to life in our hearts? Would you stir us up on the inside that we could have eyes to see what you're doing and ears to hear, and that we would have soft hearts to obey your voice as you lead us? In Jesus' name, amen. So for those of you who are new, started coming uh, in the last few weeks, or maybe you were here for a while and you came back, you might not know that we're actually as a church in a, in a period of pretty significant transition. Uh, our senior pastor, uh, John Reichert, he uh, had been here for the last decade, really leading us and, and guiding us, and he has departed. Um, the Lord called him out to some other ministry opportunities, some other non-ministry opportunities. So, so um, we're now in this season. And, and since his departure, uh, I'll tell you that, that for myself, speaking for our elders, speaking for our leaders, we have definitely experienced some ups and some downs, right? So we have experienced some, some big ups as we have seen people who had been like way over there, kind of on the sidelines, say, hey, I see a need, I'll help. And then they've like ended up right here on this stage. And that is so encouraging, right? That's like a huge up, that's awesome. And then we've had these moments of, of just discouragement where, where we've thought, man, I, I miss our pastor. I'm used to that. I miss it. Where, where we've wondered, Lord, what are you doing here exactly? What, what, are, you, what are you working on? We've had these ups and downs. Um, myself, where's my seat? I like to sit down sometimes. Um, so I've had some ups and downs. Uh, I mean, I could talk about uh, the last uh, 24 hours when we had like uh, someone within my house vomiting, another person in my house, a baby, fortunately, uh, who has never done this before, went to bed, woke up, thought that she farted, went to check in her diaper, had not farted, okay? Then it proceeded to take this poop on her hand, rub it on her shirt, trying to get it off, okay? So she's like, I'm telling it, right? This is happening. This is my real last night, right? Laura, Laura's gone, okay? So just me, right? So she's just like this. And I hear this screaming, and I think, okay, what, what the heck am I supposed to do? So I go to check, and there's Anna, my four-year-old, who's gone to check on her sister in the crib, and she's like, Dad, my hand stinks. And I look at her hand, she's got poop on her hand because somehow she went over to the crib to check on her sister and her sister, to, right? So there's poop everywhere. So I'm looking at Sarah and I'm like, don't take your pants off in bed. Why would you do that? Right, and I'm super angry, I'm all, but I'm trying not to yell. And she starts crying and I almost start crying. And I like take her, take her over to the toilet, I'm like sit down on the toilet and she's barely talking and she just looks at me and goes, daddy, not nice guy. 
well, thank you, Sarah. I'm trying, you know. And so I'm stripping the sheets. I throw everything in the washer. And Laura's like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. Just, just go back. I know you're sick. Get out of here. So, okay. So I'm trying to, so Anna, meanwhile, is like, come back to the bathroom. I'm like, what are you doing out of bed, Anna? My hand smells bad, Dad. I'm like, oh, that's right. Okay, you got to wash your hands. So she's washing her hand. I'm trying to, so where's the sheets? Is this like a whole, that's just last night, right? I mean, this is up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down all the time, okay? So I could go back to the last week. Uh, we celebrated picnic day. Anybody celebrate picnic day? Was that not awesome, right? I mean, did anybody get to see friends that they haven't seen in a long time? Yes, okay. So anyone else? No? Wow, God, you got to invite people back, right? Picnic day is so fun. I had um, like a half a dozen of my old college roommates who all came back. Half of them had kids and families, and we all hung out. We spent picnic day together. It was so cool. Um, I got to tell them uh, all about how the Lord had, had called us to this new house, because we live out in like the country now, and we have all this space, and it's awesome. So I told them about that. I told them about God's faithfulness, how uh, when, we, when we went to move out there, I was like, geez, we got to move so quick. I don't know how to do it. And all these guys from church just showed up and packed all my stuff into a U-Haul and then moved it all out and unpacked it. And I was like, that's my church I get to go to, guys. They just took care of me, you know? And then they were like, I want to go to church like that, shoot, you know? And so, okay, so then I told them about... Um, I told them about some great times of prayer I've had out there, but then also these are my friends, right? So, so I was real, and I, I told them about how I miss, uh, really, I miss my friend John, our pastor, right? And I miss him, and I, I, miss, uh, I miss working alongside of him, and I got to share about that. And, and I told them about this real serious, serious car accident that my mom was in in December when I thought that she wouldn't be able to walk again. And, and I told them about the accident, and I told them about how the Lord was faithful in the healing process after that. I told them about how I just got to see her walking, right, just yesterday. Okay, so this is like, thank you. I mean, come on, right? God is so good. So I'm getting to tell them this, and, and I laughed with them, and I reflected just about how God had called us, our family, here to this church, and, and why he did that, and how he did that, and, and how we get to be um, part of a church that really was uniquely founded to reach this city, recognizing that this city is special, that this city is unique. And, and then as they, they left, I was happy, you know, but of course, but then as my, my friends uh, left on Sunday, to be honest, I, I cried a little bit. I'm a crier. Um, and I did, I cried, I cried, I cried, sort of that melancholy cry that you, you, you get when your really good friends leave, right? And then I cried um, some real tears because some of those people are no longer walking with the Lord. And they have walked away from Jesus. They've rejected him. And I, and I had to deal with that. Right? So, so this is ups and downs. And so here I am up and down, up and down, up and down. Right? Day in, day out, day in, day out. And one of the things that, that has helped keep me grounded, helped keep me focused in this season is, is just recognizing that, that this is life. This is normal. Right? That, that seasons come, seasons go. Um, that my job in the middle of the ups and downs, in the middle of my friends here, happy, in the middle of my daughter, poop on the hand, right? My, my job in the middle of this is just to be faithful, to walk with Jesus. It's not to be perfect. It's not to not get mad. Sometimes I get mad. It's just to walk faithfully with Jesus, to say, Jesus, what are you doing here? I want to walk with you. I want to live my life with you. I want to I be who I am with you you. And it's just normal, I think, to, to, um, to live with a sense of incompletion. This is the, I think, normal Christian experience that we should really remember that it's normal for us to live a little bit um, unfulfilled, a little bit with an awareness that we're really not meant 
for earth, that we're headed to heaven and that's where we're gonna be fulfilled, right? And, and so that's okay. And, and I should live with an awareness that walking faithfully with Jesus, um, that's hard, that that will challenge me, that there are areas of my life, right, when, when to be faithful to Jesus, it really costs. I tell you, I wanted to, I really wanted to yell at my kids last night. I'll just be honest, my dad would've yelled at me. I mean, he wouldn't let me have it, right? But I, I didn't, and that was hard. And that's just a little thing. That's not even a big thing. That's just a little moment of hardness, right? But it calls me into this. And, and today, so um, as I share, I, I don't want even really to, to share focusing on, on us and where we are right now. Um, what I want to do is, in fact, to tell the story of another church, another church that was just struggling with some issues, that was struggling to um, figure out how to walk faithfully with Jesus. And as I tell this story, I wanna, I wanna do so with a hope that um, we would remember that yes, we're part of this church, but we're also part of a much bigger church, that we're part of the bride of Christ, that, that, that God um, called into being thousands of years ago, and, and that we get to be part of a, a plan that has just been stretching on for a really long time, walking with and serving a faithful God who's faithful to us, but has been faithful to his people for thousands upon thousands of years. So we're going to read today about a church in Galatia, uh, one of the first churches founded uh, in, in uh, early missionary journey of, of Paul. We're going to read through um, chapter 5 of the book of, of Galatians, which is a letter or an epistle. Um, and and uh, this book, just for those of you who might not know, has been called the most corrective book of the entire New Testament, where uh, Paul who knows about this church, we're gonna get to watch as he sort of steps into this church's business and starts to correct them, starts to talk to them about how to live and how to be and how to walk with Christ, really trying to ensure that they remain true to the gospel that he has originally preached to them. So if you've got a Bible, uh, go ahead and open it up to Galatians chapter five. If you do not have a Bible, I uh, really want you to, to raise your hand. One of our ushers can get one to you or you can pull it up on your app and read it there. This is a huge chunk of scripture, and so we're actually not going to have it on the PowerPoint. So we just want you to read it out of, out of your Bibles today. Um, so because it's such a big chunk of scripture, I did ask my friend Christy to come back up, and uh, you've heard from her a little bit today, but we're going to do so a little bit more. Um, and I'd just like, Christy, could you read Galatians? We're going to read all of chapter 5 together, and then we're going to start talking. I don't know if my mic's on. Oh, good. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are served by Christ. You who be just, would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. Through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole loaf. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettled you 
would emasculate themselves. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposing to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Can I keep that? No, not that. This? this? Yeah. yeah let... It belongs to you guys. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Christy. Right? There's a lot, a lot of scripture that we just covered. A lot in there. Thank you so much. Um, for those of you who, who haven't uh, really studied the Bible much, maybe you're not so familiar with the Christian faith, um, there's just a ton that was referenced in there. And what I'm going to do is just walk us through that chapter a little bit to help us understand what's going on. Who are these people? Who are the Galatians? What are their issues? And, and try to see if we can just get into their shoes a little bit. What do we learn just in this first opening section of this chapter right away? What does Paul declare about the Galatians first thing? First, he says that they are a free people. He says for freedom, Christ has set you free. They were free. This is a really nice word. I decided to look it up, you know, because we're America. We love freedom. So um, I work with international students. I don't know if I told you that. So I have to explain why we like this concept a lot. So I think a lot about freedom. What does it mean, right? So some definitions for you. Uh, freedom can mean the, the state of not being imprisoned or enslaved. Freedom can mean the power or the right to act, speak, and think as one wants without any hindrance or restraint. The freedom to be you. So the Galatians were free, but we also learned that they had a problem that Paul says that they weren't actually acting in the way that free people act. So this, this truth about them, right, this fundamental truth, um, what, what I would probably say is their core identity, who they are at the deepest part, they are free. That's who they are. Because of Christ's work on their behalf, they were free. They had become the kind of people who would be able to choose the right thing to do. They would be able to choose and to say what was on their heart without worry, without hindrance, without fear. They weren't going to be held down in bondage like they had been in the past, afraid of others. Instead, they would be free, confidently so. And yet something happened in the lives of these Galatians. Something had happened in that community, something that really resulted in them walking away. Just like I told you, something happened in one of my friend's lives that resulted in him walking 
away from the Lord. Something had happened here in the Galatians that resulted in them walking away, choosing to live as slaves. So what happened? So what I'd like you to do, um, church, is just ask you to do a little thing that I like to call a thought experiment, where, where we're going to just imagine together that we are the Galatians. So you're going to take yourself away back in time, right? And try to imagine with me that you are part of the Galatians. What does that mean as a church? It means that you would be part of a church that would be mostly Gentiles. Gentiles means people who were not originally uh, part of God's chosen people, the Jews. Instead, um, they, they had heard about God through the preaching of, of Paul, most likely, or one of the other early apostles, and they understood that the, they were, by nature, far from God, and, and that through the death of Jesus, they were welcomed in to the kingdom of God. And the Gentiles in the early church, they flocked to the church because they learned that they could be part of the chosen people of God. And so they really did. They flocked in. So, so okay, um, if you're new, this sort of thought experiment, this isn't going to be our regular sort of standard type of preaching today, a little bit different than what we might normally do, but the last 24 hours have been a little bit different for me than uh, my normal life, so we're going to do that together. So um, you've, you've gone back in mind, you put yourselves in the shoes of these Galatians. Imagine that you are a new believer. If, if you've been a Christian a long time here, think back to what it was like for you when you first came to know the Lord. So you're a new believer, and you're trying to figure out what it means to be a Christian, what it means to walk this life out as a Christian. It's likely that you came to faith under the preaching of some powerful apostle or disciple, maybe even Paul himself, who came to your town, who preached, you saw miracles worked, and you said, I want a part of that. What is that? I want to go there. And so you went and you joined this community. You heard about Jesus. You repented. You chose him. And then Paul, whoever it was, left you. And so now you're just a little church. You're just a few people. Who knows how many? And you're trying to figure it all out. And you have some problems. Because in a room this big, people like this, my guess is probably 10 of you could read. So hello, everybody else. You have a big problem, right? The problem is you're trying to figure out, how do I live my life as a Christian? But I can't read. I, I can't turn to the scriptures like we do. I don't have an app, right? So what do I do? And you're struggling. The, the um, fire that you had felt in your stomachs when, when, when Paul came through and he preached to you and you felt free that faith that you were certain of, it started to feel a little distant. And as time went by, you started to wonder if you could really trust what Paul had preached. And you, you started to wonder if, you know, because look, if you look around you, everybody around you who's not a Christian, they're idol worshipers. They believe that you, you get right with God through what you do. That by sacrificing, by bringing better gifts, by what you do, you get right with God. So you start to wonder, was Paul, was Paul really right when he said it was actually through faith, through believing, that I become right with God, that I connect to Jesus? Or maybe I'm supposed to start to do something. And your confidence, that faith that you had had that was so strong, so real, it actually started to disappear. And then something pretty cool happened. Out of the blue, 
Some people come into our community, right? Some people come in, and, um, and they remind you a lot of Paul. They remind you of Paul because they look like Paul. They dressed like Paul. They were Jewish, just like Paul was. They were Christians, but they had been born Jews, just like him. And, and they didn't maybe seem to be free or confident in the way that Paul was, but they really actually seemed very self-assured. These guys seemed like they knew exactly what they were doing. And they began to teach. And because they were so confident and self-assured, you start to listen to them. And you listen as they taught you about the law, about the law of God that they had received that was passed down to them. And you listen about the way that God had ordained for you to be holy, the way that, that God had ordained for you to connect with him, to be righteous. And you start to listen to them. And you know what? You start to actually envy them a little bit because your normal day today, you're a little insecure. You're a little fearful, not exactly confident. And you look at them and they really seem like they know what they're doing. And you start to envy them a little bit. And as you, you, you envy their security, uh, you know, you, you overhear them joking one day. You're just listening to them and they're joking. And they're joking about how lucky they were to be born Jews and not Gentiles. How lucky they were to be actually part of God's chosen people and, and not sort of grafted in, not sort of taken in. And, and you got a little angry. You got a little jealous when they said that. But, you know, sometimes when we get angry, instead of lashing out at people, we just decide it'd be better to join with them. We just want to join them. Okay, so you're feeling that way, and you're feeling like maybe you could just pretend to be one of them, and you would be confident again. Maybe you would have that fire back. Maybe you would know you were accepted by God. And so when some of them begin to teach you about how to faithfully follow God, you nod along and you listen. And you nod along until you realize what they're talking about. Because what they're talking about is you have to be circumcised to follow God. And you scoff and you think, oh, whew, all right, that's quite the ask. Okay, that's a big one, all right? And then you think, man, that's actually such a big sacrifice. Maybe if I go through with it, maybe if I do it, they'll actually accept me. Maybe if I prove myself this way. Maybe if I prove that, that I will go through with this, I'm no longer going to feel like I'm on the outside trying to get in. Maybe if I do this, I will actually be on the inside. Maybe I'll actually be accepted. Maybe I'll actually feel secure. And then you start to rationalize. You think, well, that makes sense. I mean, of course it makes sense. I mean, Jesus was circumcised. I'm sure Paul was circumcised. That, that, that was just this normal. So maybe I'll never have to worry again if I just go through with it. And as you're, you're thinking this through, because it's a big decision, so you're trying to figure out, am I going to do this? Am I not going to do this? And you're listening to them teach. You're just struggling in your mind because you don't know how to deal with your insecurity. And you're struggling. All of a sudden, Paul gets wind of what's going on. And he hears what's being taught in your church. And he writes you a letter. And the letter comes in. And you gather together. And you're sitting together in a home. And someone begins to read it. It's very early on a Sunday morning. Remember, back then, you don't get a day off. You work seven days a week. It's very early in the morning on Sunday, and you're gathering together in this house, and someone starts to read the letter that Paul has written. And they, they read and they declare, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm, therefore, 
and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. What's he talking about, you wonder? Yoke of slavery? Why would he even talk about that? Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. The whole law? I I thought I was just going to do this one thing, and by doing this one thing, this one big thing, I would never again have to worry that I belonged to God. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. You start to get angry. How dare you say, fallen away from grace? What are you talking about? I don't want to be severed from God. Don't you see, Paul? I'm trying so hard to get close to God again. I don't don't think God really accepts me. And that the whole reason I was going to be circumcised was that I could get close to him. For through the Spirit, by faith, the reader continues, for through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working in love. They pause, and you look up, and you look up and you make eye contact with one of the men who had been preparing you for circumcision. You look at him, trying to figure out what's going on, and he looks down. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him, not from Christ, who called you. The room is growing uncomfortably silent. As they continue to read, you get lost in your thoughts, trying to sort out what's going on, trying to sort out what you've been taught and how you feel. A few moments later, you hear, I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. You look up, yeah, that's a thing to say, right? You look at the reader who's sort of like, oh, I just said that, right? And, and then you're looking at the guys, and these guys, a group of men look at you, and, and you look at that guy, we'll call him James, why not, who'd been talking to you about circumcision, who had been teaching you that if you really wanted to be accepted by God, you had to prove yourself. And you look at him, and you see his face, it starts to turn red. He's starting to get a little upset. He's starting to get mad. The reader continues, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. A group of men get up, and they actually leave the room. They just walk out. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And they pause, and he grasped on to what they said, led by the Spirit. And you start to remember, that's, that's what it was like back then, wasn't it? Back when, when you seemed to know the right thing to do. Back when you first heard about the Lord, and, and you were filled with love and with peace, back when you couldn't help but tell the people around you about this Jesus that you'd been introduced to and how he changed your life. And you're remembering, and as you sit 
And as you listen, your heart begins to feel free again. You begin to feel secure again. Secure not because you've done something big to prove yourself to God, but secure instead because you remember what he did for you to prove his love to you, what he did to bring you into his family. And you start to feel again. And so you begin to realize that you can commit to that kind of life. And you're sitting in that room, and suddenly you go like this. Oh, that's right. That's right. I'm wanted. That's right. I can be led by the Spirit. That's right. I know the right thing to do. I can listen. I can obey. God freed me. I don't have to prove myself to him. I don't have to prove myself to anybody else. I can be free. I can walk in the spirit. I can listen and then I can obey. You realize that rather than be afraid, rather than be purposeless, you can be connected to the Father and that you can be on mission with him just like Paul was, using every day as an opportunity to see the kingdom of God advance in your life, in your home, and in your city. So our, our, our thought experiment ends. We can come back to today. We can come back to you. Come back to me. Come back to what it means to be confident in Christ, to be truly free. The Galatians, in this effort to address their insecurity, they had actually tried to set up a system to get into relationship with God. Rather than confidently trusting their Savior, they started to undermine their own freedom. Insecurity can be really, really dangerous, church. It can be really, really, really dangerous. By not trusting that, in fact, the only thing that truly matters in terms of their right standing before God was their faith in Christ and his perfect work on their behalf. They were rejecting their true identity as free people, as those who no longer had to prove themselves to be righteous. They had access to the Spirit of God, and yet they chose to reject the Spirit of God that would lead them, we read, into joy, into patience, into knowledge, into goodness, kindness, self-control, humility. Instead of following the Spirit, they turned and they started to listen to their doubt. They started to listen to their insecurity, to their fears, to the voices that said that they weren't quite good enough, that they didn't actually belong. And they started to listen to their insecurity. I want to encourage us, church, as we go through this whole series over the next several weeks, as we continue to grow, as we do our life together, to remember that you're not alone. You are not alone. You are part of the bride of Christ. You're part of the body that Christ has set free from your old way of living, from sin and the death that it entailed, into a new life. We've heard about the Galatians. We know about their struggles, their insecurity, and their fear, the way that they tried to supplement grace, and that in so doing, they actually enslaved themselves to a system of religious rules and obligations. And we saw Paul strongly correcting them, jumping into their business, jumping in, correcting them, reminding them that that kind of behavior, it's foolish. 
that they were free and that they had been set free not to sin, but instead free so that they could walk in step every day with the Holy Spirit. I hope that thinking about that encourages you. I hope that it reminds you that this really isn't about you. It's really not about me. My issues are the same issues that people have been having for thousands of years. Your issues are the same issues people have been having for thousands of years. It's not about us. It's about God. It's about us stepping in, saying, yes, I will choose to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. I will choose not to try and listen to my doubt, not to listen to my fear. Instead, I'll say, yes, I will listen to Christ and I will walk through my life with him. Let's pray. Lord God, would you remind us today? Would you remind me, would you remind us that the good news of Jesus, it, it doesn't clean us up and shine us up on the outside, God, but instead it cuts right to our heart and right to our soul, and it radically changes us from the inside forever. God, work among us. Help us to see that whether we're walking in the works of the flesh, or really walking in, and we're being led by and keeping in step with the Spirit of God, help us to choose you. God, I pray for the men and women in this room who, who need to let go of some things, who need to let go of some insecurity and some fear. Lord, that they would, that they would choose to let go of secrets, that they'd choose to let go of shame and of guilt, that they would come clean before you, that they would seek your forgiveness, the forgiveness of others, God. Dear Lord, I pray for freedom here among us, that we would remember that we are free. Lord, for sonship, for daughtership, for confidence in your goodness towards us and your love for us and your continual work in us. Do your work in our church, Holy Spirit. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Each week we close our, our sermon with some time to